0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Yes Sir HR, hey your weekly podcast where we try and dissect education news and ideas from different perspectives and hopefully with a little bit of English and Singaporean humour. Uh, and today is really going to be an episode on humour but more specifically about humour in teaching and learning, why is it important and what we can do as lecturers or teachers to include humor as part of our teaching and learning repertoire now we are now six episode and can i just confess something that i really didn't think we would have a lot of things to say but it's quite amazing we are at the sixth episode and once we started we can't stop so how has your week been well it's been okay mark um <laughs> It's been okay, but like this episode now, we're on the
1: sixth one, and I think this is going to be very challenging for you as a Singaporean. And you know, as um, it's often said, Singaporeans are very serious, it's a fine
0: city, right? Right,
1: and uh, uh, is humor allowed in Singapore?
0: Yeah, yeah, I know you're trying to sell me a dummy, you see, hanging around you for the last few years. I've picked up on uh, su- such uh, uh, such British humour. And, and and you know, it's funny that you said that because I was reading a report. Uh, I was doing some research or something and I came across this article, which I thought was quite hilarious. Uh, and the report said that Singapore is one of the most emotionless countries in the world. Uh, but it is getting better. We were once last, now we are third from bottom. So I think that's a bit of an improvement, uh, not relegation form. Uh, we have our local icons and comedians but I think we also appreciate a lot of good old British humor, like Yes, Prime Minister, I'm sure you remember that series, uh, Black Adder, and of course the classic Mr. Bean. Mm. Yeah, so that, that's that's really about uh, the kind of stuff that Singaporeans deal with. But to I would say, while we are not, uh, you know, humor is not really part and parcel of our lives, we do appreciate uh, uh, a good laugh uh, and humorous jokes here and there. But I think it's a bigger deal with people uh, such as yourself who you cons- when you consider yourself a cockney. So why is- what's the big deal with humour for cockneys? Well, it's just something you grow up with. It's like
1: football. Um, football was a big part of East London life. In fact, it runs across the country. But humour in East London was something that you kind of had to do because people were always trying to wind you up, sell your dummies. And you knew from an early age that you had to be... Pretty quick-witted, and the other thing is, life was pretty tough in East London. If anybody watches any of the programs on East London, they'll see that you know there was a lot of poverty and life was stressful. It was after the war, and humour was, to be honest about it, I think a great defence against sort of nature by making each other laugh. It would make our troubles um, seem less. There's an old song: "Pack up your troubles on your old kit bag and smile, smile, smile." Right. My right. Thing- Right, uh, so that's about it, really. I mean, it was it was part of ways to get through the day, if you like.
0: I see. The only thing I know about Cockneys, uh, and I've learned over a few years, and there are two things I'll share with you. The two things: number one, uh, there was a character named Sidney in the uh, iconic series *Mind Your Language*, and he was a Cockney. Uh, and number two is Cockneys use what I, I and I found it quite interesting. Uh, they use rhyming slang in their language. So Dennis for people who are listening to this for the first time or, or viewers from Asia or for other parts of the world not from England wondering what rhyming slang is can you can you regale us with a, with an example that will that, that would uh, encapsulate the idea of rhyming slang? Well it's the way it
1: works is this you have a, you have two words and the second word rhymes with what you mean. So if I say mark, we need to go up the apples and pears. To get to the rubber dub, um, what that means is apples, pears, pears rhymes with stairs and dub rhymes with pub. So if we're going, if I say we're going up the apples and apples and pears to the rubber dub, it means we've got to go upstairs to go to the pub. Now, if we're going to have a drink, I might say, hey, Mark. Yeah. Mate, you know what I mean? I am speaking cockney now, son, all right? So I'll tell you what, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna go up and we're gonna have a Vera and Philharmonic, mate. You know what I mean? Now, yeah. Vera and Philharmonic are the two words. Vera is Vera Lynn, famous. In fact, my favorite female singer. Vera Lynn, Vera Lynn sung songs to the troops in the war. Philharmonic is an orchestra, but it rhymes with tonic. So can you work that out? We're going, we're gonna have a Vera Philharmonic. So what is that? It's a gin and tonic. That's it, mate. So, yeah, you've got to go there, we're going to up the apples and pears to the rubber duff for a very on it.
0: All right, son. Yeah, you actually just betrayed your age with uh, telling everyone that Vera Lynn's your favorite singer. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. I mean it. Right. Okay. So, uh, thanks for, for setting the context and giving a little bit of an insight to uh, Cockney rhyming slang. Uh, but let's move on and let's talk a little bit about, uh, after all, this is a podcast about uh, education. Uh, yeah. And really, about why is, uh, uh, so so okay. So let's backtrack a little bit. Why is humor important in teaching and learning? So that's the first question that we would use to preface our our discussion. So let's start with that. Why do you think then uh, education? And I feel okay. Uh, you know, it's not uh good to do anymore i think it is a vital skill set for teachers to have so share your thoughts then why is humor going to be extremely important in teaching and learning well there's there's many reasons and maybe let's pick on one that you
1: know comes out of the story is if you can make people if they feel more relaxed you can get you can get their attention and i think it was the um famous um um, Coach Anthony Robbins, who earns a lot of money, as you know, from doing kind of motivational yep. spe- speeches, he said that humor is the um, ultimate tool for getting results with people. Now, what that basically means, if if you can build that feeling of trust and togetherness, um, you can get things done. And let's be honest about it. Be honest about it. If teachers can get good rapport with students. Much easier to manage them. It's much easier to get their attention, and it makes the, the the relationship aspect much more workable. And if that's workable, the students are more likely to be motivated, etc. And do you know do the work in a nutshell? Yeah.
0: yeah. So uh, I just want to echo the quote that you that you shared about Anthony Robbins. I think Edward De Bono himself also said uh, frequently refers to humor as by far the most significant activity of the human brain. Uh, do you like that one? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, without a
1: doubt, it's very hard to do. You to be very funny at a professional level uh, is hard, and that's why comedians earn a lot more than teachers. Okay,
0: <laughs> really? okay, okay. So, so okay, let, let, let's, let's stay on that. Let's stay on that topic. Uh, let, let's really stay on that topic. Uh, and so teachers who are listening to this and think, okay, firstly, it's quite depressing to know that comedians earn more than them. But that, but in all seriousness, uh, what do you say to teachers who tell you, yeah, all that's well and good. I love a good laugh. I think I, I can accept the fact that students like a funny teacher, but teaching is a serious business. Uh, teaching needs to be serious. We, we cannot have the classroom descend into chaos. Uh, and uh, you know it is really let, let the comedians do what they do I'll do what I do which is teach what can we say to them to make them change their mind?
1: Well Mark just to uh, show continuity in our series how we work so seamlessly uh, I used a quote in episode 1 uh, John Dewey that to be playful and serious at the same time is possible and it defines the ideal mental condition so the notion that in in the classroom, it's all got to be quiet and the teacher walks around, you know, sternly and the kids just do the task. Well, yeah, you we want discipline in the class. That's really important. But I think you get better discipline, real discipline, when you've got good relationships with the, the students. And humour is a really good way
0: of getting getting the students on your side, getting attention, building that rapport. Right, okay. So, I want to I want to just build on what you just said as well. Besides, uh, you know, getting them on your side and building rapport, uh, there are a few more things that I think humour can do. Uh, but I also would like for you to just jump in and also share your thoughts on each one of these. Number one, uh, it has also positive imp- uh, impacts. Uh, oh, sorry, it also has a positive impact on the learning process because it helps to refresh the brain. Uh, Can you just elaborate on that? What does that mean when you say it it helps to refresh the brain humor? Well, what it actually does,
1: it actually, because it's usually a novel, a new stimulus. We Mm. know in in cognitive psychology, there's something called a Von Restorff effect. And that's Mm -hmm. named after the psychologist who invented it. And what he did was to present 16 items to people to memorize. And one of them would be a very novel one. So it could be apples, pears, table, cat, dog. But then he might slip in David Beckham, something like that. And What was interesting is that people would not remember all 16, not by a long way. They'd remember the first couple or maybe the last couple. But they'd always remember the novel one, the David So it shows that if you use humour, it's usually novel, it kicks in attention and helps memory. So it can actually aid a a person's remembering of an important concept in the lesson. And the other thing is is it releases dopamine in the brain, which kind of gives you a nice feeling. So. It's both at a cognitive level and a neurological level. It's a good
0: fix. You won't get arrested for it unless the humour is inappropriate. All right, If we can bottle it, we'll probably millions. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I think, I think what you said there was actually quite interesting that caught my attention, is this idea of the Van Rostov effect. Uh, and, and I think with uh, students being exposed to high levels of social media and... Uh, uh, you know, uh, media that just goes quick and fast. Uh, I I think we need to somehow figure out how we can make use of the Van Rostov effect in teaching and learning. Uh, and while you gave that example, how do you personally use the Van Rostov effect in your teaching? Well, it can it can take many forms. It doesn't have to be humor.
1: Uh, it yeah. could be a really good story. So if you've got a story that really illustrates. Um, the, the thing that you're talking about the theme the narrative the, the key concepts that's a great way of remembering things um you may remember that when we taught that um together that I used to use something called the uh, the chili crab story which yeah. was I arrived in Singapore and every night
0: I had chili crab because I loved it you um, <laughs> you either, it, had, I, you I, either I, liked it or yeah, you had a lot of money
1: <laughs> you get, yeah that's right yeah I mean I got well paid in Singapore. Um, So the idea is that no matter how good something is, it wears off. The interesting thing about using you is you can't tell the same joke to the same class or the same funny story. But every time you've got a new class, if they don't know it, it will have that. Of off effect. But the idea of using humour will always apply. Just like when we're hungry, we always want food. But if we have chilli crab every night, we'll get bored with the chilli crab. But we we'll always want to have something else. So we'll have a
0: steak or we'll have a vegetarian pizza or whatever. Right, right. Okay. So there are two more things that uh humour does uh, to help with the aspect of learning. One is promoting creativity and I think the other one is really what we have been trying to talk about in the past few uh, episodes which is contributing to the enjoyment of teaching so maybe now will be also a good time for you to share a little bit uh, or dig into the archives a little bit about a story of how humour has really contributed to your enjoyment of teaching then
1: well the, the thing is um, teaching um, is a little bit like um being on a roller coaster sometimes, Mark. Now, what do you think I mean by that? I'm just going to check your attention processes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. think about what does a roller coaster do?
0: A roller coaster? Bring hmm. excitement and joy and really making yeah. you pee your pants, I think. Right, yeah, okay. <laughs> it, it goes up and
1: down, doesn't it? Now, yeah. Um, now, you, you know, if you compare that, just to throw in an analogy, because we, you know, we talk about being creative in teaching, right? Um, you know, the what was the roundabout in a, in a playground, remind you, of a roundabout?
0: The merry-go-round, you mean?
1: Yeah, just a, just but one of the slow ones, that just goes round. But you put little kids on so they don't fall off and break their necks, you know? Yeah, I mean? yeah, 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 yeah. So what's it like? Does it go up and down?
0: It just goes round in circles, right? Or yeah, the, are you talking that, about the seesaw or the merry-go-round? No,
1: no, no, the the, the roundabout. It just yeah. goes round and round. It's yeah. now up and down. It's not an eye pitch excitement thing is it you know for a three year old it's probably good fun but you know these people who want to go on these exciting rides are not going to really get much of bit on a, on a small roundabout in park are they They want to go to some theme park where they come down and they scream and it looks like it's going to crash but it doesn't and it zooms up again that kind. Of, I don't really like that kind of stuff but I mean it gives people a kind of um, adrenaline rush doesn't it it fires the you know the dopamine in their brains and they get a kick out of it Um so what, what I'm kind of say is that um in when you teach um, yeah. to try what you're trying to do is okay you, the roundabout is going to be part of the teaching you know you're dealing with the classroom routines but now and again you want to make it a little bit exciting so you can bring in a story you can use some humor but you can also bring in a, a really interesting activity you can show an interesting video something that um takes us away from looking
0: at PowerPoint slides and doing worksheets and that sort of thing. Yeah, so I, I think I think that's where we also talked a little bit about creativity, you know, knowing when to use it uh, as opposed to, you know, just trying to be funny all the time from the moment you walk into the moment, they say thank you very much and goodbye. Uh, so how, how, how would uh, maybe a, a tip or a pro tip, so to speak, for teachers who are thinking, listening to this and going, yeah, you know what? I think I would like to introduce some humor. How can they spot when would be ideal opportunities to do so?
1: Well, you've got to have the resources. Let's think about that. Um, for example, once I was um, working with um, engineers and they were saying, well, you know, how can we make, you know, how can we bring a bit of humor in something? You know, we want to get students. In engineers. And I I looked on YouTube and I found some videos from Gilbert where they were kind of making parodies on engineers that there was a parent with a child and um, taking them to see the doctor. And um, they said he's a little bit quiet, a bit worried about it. And um, the doctor says, Oh, right, I've got something to show you on this screen. And the doctor couldn't get the screen to work. And suddenly the the little kid plays around with the parts, with the plugs, and gets Mm -hmm. it going. And then suddenly the doctor says, "Oh, I see the problem. He's going to be an engineer," you know that kind of thing. So yep. there's a kind of latent joke in that. So you can find um, you can find cartoons, you can find video clips. It doesn't matter what you teach. Somewhere you can find a resource that deals with a key concept or a key thing, a key theme, and it makes it more. Um, more meaningful they can relate to it because it's got a funny spin to it and it will stay in their memories as an anchor point also if there's a difficult concept to teach if you can find a, a good analogy a good example um, and particularly if it's got a bit of humor if you can get a good analogy a bit of humor and a story wow that is a real that's a real bond for effect
0: i mean yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, as you were speaking, uh, it kind of like brought me back to when I was in school. Uh, And now it's finally starting to make sense. I remember this teacher uh, who was uh, fairly likable um, and always started the class with a cartoon. Uh, And while some cartoons weren't funny, some were hilarious, uh, I never really understood why uh, she did that. Uh, But then I also realized that when students, while she was waiting to start the class, because it was always uh, during, uh, her classes were always after a physical education class. So you can imagine when a bunch of boys, uh, you know, because I came from all boys school, coming into uh, the classroom, sweaty, smelly, uh, you know, uh, rambunctious because we are arguing, (laughs) we are shouting, you know, and and I, I thought it was brilliant. Now that I think about it, I thought it was brilliant of her, well, it wasn't what you would call a typical humorous situation. And she didn't shout above the noise. All she did was show us a little, uh, uh, a little uh, comic from the newspaper. Uh, and, you know, it caught our attention really fast. We all looked at it. And sometimes we will just burst out laughing. And then we settled down quite quickly. Far faster than she could have done by just shouting at us. Now, of course, other times we didn't get the joke. And that's when really it was an opportunity for us to ask, you know, uh, Miss so-and-so, we don't understand the joke, could you just uh, could you just explain it to us? And even though she took just that five minutes to explain it to us, we were listening and we were paying attention. So now I understand the idea about when you say, you know, humor can create a good Van Rostov and primacy effect. I suppose that would be a good example, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. And
1: not only that, what it communicates. See, the thing is, this is the myth. You don't have to be that funny as the teacher. Now, if you're going to be a professional comedian and people are paying $50 or £25 to go and see you, they're expecting you to be really funny. Very often, students find quite a lot of teachers or a significant amount of teaching time as being overboring and you know, teachers being over-serious. So mm. The very fact that you are trying to see the funny side and allowing them to feel more relaxed and maybe they can have a bit of a joke and even encourage them sometimes to say, anybody got a cartoon, anybody got a funny story around this? Obviously, you've got to manage the appropriateness of the, but it's great. It's a great teaching technique.
0: It really works. Right. Okay. Uh, I'm just just reading something here because I know that you did write a book on uh, creative teaching Uh, and there's something here that you wrote which I thought was quite uh, important maybe for us to try and uh, unpack this a little bit more. Uh, one of the main purposes for using humor in teaching is to, and I quote, creatively illustrate a fact concept or principle with high impact. Let's unpack that. What well, would that mean when we say creatively illustrate a fact concept or principle with high impact? Because so far, what we have talked about is yeah, it gains attention. Yes, it's a good Venostov effect. It switches the brain back to. Uh, to to the task at hand and so forth but now we are actually saying that humour can play an important role in getting someone to learn a concept or principle okay now I can give, I can give you a
1: couple uh, I used to teach psychology uh, yeah. quite a bit and there's a theory in psychology from um, a school of psychology called behaviourism
0: oh I love and, it I, I, yeah. I, I I'm a huge fan of it
1: yeah <laughs> it's 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 captured in stimulus response reinforcement yep srr now if you talk that in that way stimulus response reinforcement is a way in which human behavior can be shaped that could be really turd now uh, i had a joke and i learned this joke coming from east london i used to listen to lots of comedians and i've actually done a a bit of standard today and um, um so I remember loads of jokes and I remember a comedian me quite he um learned he remembered these jokes and he put animal uh, mother-in-law's um animal, whatever. and whatever I said animal. yeah and then I was like couple jokes in these jokes and, and he then said parrot jokes and I thought, hmm, parrot jokes? People actually make jokes about parrots. Anyway, he told me he had three parrot jokes. I still have those three jokes. Now, one of them was really useful for teaching behaviorist theory. And it right. goes this, right? A man um, wants to get a talking parrot. And he goes into a pet shop and he buys a parrot. He takes the parrot home and he sits the parrot on, a, on, a, on a, a bench, perch, whatever it is. And he says to the parrot, he says to the parrot, um, Who's a pretty boy? And the parrot does nothing. Um, who's a pretty boy? The parrot does nothing. And then he starts to beat the parrot around the head. The parrot won't do it, and he beats the parrot around the head. He keeps saying, you know, beating it again, beating it again. Eventually, he gets so fed up, he takes the parrot and he puts it in the chicken up. <laughs> and while he's- uh, he leaves it. He goes in the following morning, and when he goes down there, most of the chickens, most of the chickens are dead, and there's one there lying. There. And the parrot's saying, "Who's a pretty boy? Who's a pretty boy? Who's a pretty boy?" Now, if you get that thing, is that the parrot has learned to associate pretty boy with being beaten around the head, and he's just gone in there and just done that with the chickens. So, stimulus response reinforcement. Now. <laughs> that joke some of them didn't get it some did but then i could say well also, the parrot was presented with a stimulus uh and and, and it couldn't do it, it got beat. and then eventually what the parrot learned was you say pretty boy uh, and you beat the uh you get you you beat the uh the beat the chickens <laughs> uh, you can play in different ways but right away it gets that connection between the stimulus and response and reinforcement. So what is the stimulus? What could be the response?
0: And what could be being, revolt, re, being, um, being reinforced? Right. So if you are uh, listening to this and you are thinking to yourself, is humor really for me? Well, I think that just really perfectly sums up You know that you can actually use a joke uh, into getting people to understand maybe a fairly uh, deep concept or fairly complex concept uh by you know uh using humor to get them to understand it a little bit better so I, I i would think that that's a very good example you wanted to say something then well i could just give you
1: another way uh, yeah. a little subtle humor works right yeah Rem- Uh, when we were training faculty to use technology tools and a lot of them were scared you know oh, I've got to learn coding yeah and they were very apprehensive and as you know I wasn't great at technology and I got asked to do a workshop on using technology for learning so I used some psychology I mean that's what I know a bit about and I thought right am I going to deal with this because the lecturers are going to come in Some of them are older lecturers, but not always. Yeah. Uh, And they come in and I had a a caption, I had a screen, and there was a famous, very glamorous actress in Singapore called Zoe Tay about 25 years ago, right? And I had a picture, just a PowerPoint slide, there was Zoe Tay, and then I had a picture of me and I airbrushed it, so I looked like myself, but a little bit more like Antonio Banderas, if that was possible. And, um, and, um, so Zoe Tay uh, is saying something um, like can you um, can you speak uh, java now java's a pro- programming language right java script yeah. and java's also a country in indonesia right a continent yeah
0: no you mean a, you mean uh, uh, not a continent a language. no javanese a, is the Javan- language
1: it's Javanese, is the language, yeah. Yeah. He's an Saying, "Can you, can you, uh, can you use Java? Can you speak Java?" And I say, "Well, I did have a girlfriend from Indonesia." Now, the <laughs> funny thing is that she's saying about Java meaning script, and I'm thinking it's an Indian language, uh, Indonesian language. Uh, so it showed just how much I really knew about kind of programming, right? And the idea is the lecturers come in and they looked at that. And it's a bit like your story when they showed the cartoon. Uh, sorry, the, uh, the the teacher that used to show the cartoons. Sometimes yep. people saw them as funny. And sometimes they just look at it and think, well, what's that? And some of the lecturers come <laughs> in and automatically got it. Yep. Oh, yeah, Java, yeah, script, programming. Denny's thinking it's Indonesian language and saying he had a girlfriend from Jakarta. Right? Yeah. And uh, actually, put down Jakarta, which is a major for those who don't know, major city um, in um, Java itself, right? And then when people say, "Oh, Dennis, did you really have a girlfriend from Jakarta?" I would then play on the humor and say, "Well, actually, she was from Bandung, which is another city." You know, so the old idea was very simple: um, was when people come in feeling apprehensive, are we going to get this boring technology stuff? That here is somebody here who's getting us to relax and then I was immediately able to come in and say look I, I'm no expert in technology but I can show you in the next three hours that you can use technology providing you use it from a good pedagogic base you can actually be quite effective you don't need to worry about learning programming and doing the difficult things now today and that's a good thing isn't it using technology today is very. the main thing is making it based on good pedagogy." as we, I think, discussed or will discuss in the podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. So I, I think that's very good examples that, uh, that you have given. Uh, but I think we also need to uh, balance this with uh, a little bit of a, a health warning, so to speak. Uh, and and that is, what do we need to consider carefully before using humour? So I think right now uh, we, we are in a, in, in a very uh, sensitive age, I would I would say. So not everything can be seen as humorous, and we need to be careful. So, what are some of the things that we need to consider carefully before we can use humor?
1: Well, um,
0: I, I, I'm going to be honest here, Mark, and be,
1: um, and I think kind of that's what we do on our podcast. That we 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 look at the research, we look at what works, uh, we try to have a bit of humor, but we're also honest. And I do think with. Um, Political correctness, I'm not saying that political correctness is all wrong or whatever, but when it starts to become micro stuff, um, it can be worrying. For example... um, We used to in England, I mean, amongst the British Isles, you know, Scots people, Irish people, English people, we used to make jokes about each other. And to be honest about it, in in my experience, most of the time it was just good fun and banter. Whereas today, I wouldn't make that kind of joke. Not because I actually think it is particularly wrong, but in a climate where people seem, or some people seem to get, very offended um we have to be really careful so any jokes i think that have any racial aspect to it even if it's 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 very minimal in content or gender related or um uh,
0: sexual orientation
1: yeah sexual orientation yeah i mean you just have to avoid those jokes so it does make using humor
0: sadly um more challenging but I, I don't see that as sadly, but I think it's uh, something that, you know, you still can achieve what we talked about. Uh, one, get good attention. Uh, two, create, maintain positive psychological climate. And of course, more importantly, build rapport. Uh, and, uh, and and it still boils down back to, to the fact that, you know, if something, if students are not getting it, things are getting a bit tense in the classroom. And if you can somehow use humour to relieve the tension and more importantly, link it to the concept of fact, then I think you really should be paid as much as a comedian for making teaching and learning fun and interesting. Uh, It's just another reason, isn't it? Like,
1: you know, when we were talking about teacher um, stress, um, you know, earlier on that there's no doubt about it, that the job is getting more challenging, harder and one could say more stressful, and there are reasons for this. And you know, we have to be honest that, um, and we're not making major statements, but if you get teachers doing too much, and particularly if that stuff is not seen as to teaching and learning, it's not surprising they might get a bit um, demoralized. So, uh, the, the we have to persist. At the end of the day, we believe in teaching and we try to, you know, change things for the better over time And we stay with the core purpose of it. Right. So, again, I believe in using you. I think has all of these benefits, I'm just now having to be a little bit more careful. Now, fortunately, yeah. you make a joke about a parrot. Uh, there isn't the, uh, the committee of parrots who get together like, oh, we find that offensive. We find that offensive. We find, and start go around killing chickens. Right yeah 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 I'm trying. <laughs> now you know so you know it's a judgment call um i can honestly say i've used humor but um all the time I've taught, uh, and certainly in Asia, I didn't feel it was a problem at all. Um, I'm not so sure back in, you know, in the UK kind of context. Now um, I, I would have to feel my way in, but I've never had any problem. Nobody slapped me round the face, or you know, a- accused me of being, you know, racist or gender biased, or I'm a folk Because basically, I don't even consider those issues anyway. I mean, to me, you know, people are just people, but. Again, you know, it's not about reality. It's people's perception of it. If people interpret it as this way, though sometimes you just have to say, oh, well, it is as it is, you know?
0: Yeah, okay. So so that that's a little bit of, uh, of a reminder that uh, while we uh, you know see the value of humour, we also need to be careful uh, and consider a lot of these factors before we actually try and attempt to use it, especially if we are trying it for the first time. So, okay, so, so I'm sold. And I'm pretty sure many people who are listening to this as well, okay, uh, have been given some food for thought. Uh, So now, where I I suppose that's when I think we can now share a little bit of our own go to or or our own resources. Uh, Where can they get resources of humor that will work for them and their personality?
1: Right. Okay. Well, first of all, your own experience in life. I mean, and that's why I think that sort of teachers who, I've I've had quite a lot of experience in life not just and I'm not saying there's anything wrong anything wrong with teachers just coming out of school going to university and then going to teach there's nothing wrong in that but I think where teachers have had a lot of experience in life generally um, they can bring in that bit of humor that powerful story um, that bit of communication style that is able to create the kind of von Restelff effects that we we talk about. So your personal experience, but obviously. Um, Colleagues, uh, if you take a story or a cartoon from one of your colleagues who's found it or a good story, you just use it yourself. You just customise it to yourself. So it's kind of cherry picking, I would call it. Other people might call it plagiarism. But if you do it openly and honestly and you're not making money out of it, uh, but you're using it as a resource to teach a concept to make a class more interesting in a a dry topic. Uh, To me, I do. I do that. Have you ever pinched any of my stories, by
0: the way? (laughs) <laughs> yeah i think i think that's that's actually quite uh, a good one um we don't really have to go and borrow a joke book uh from the library i think everyday experiences count uh and personal experience especially and, and i don't know whether you remember then remember there was this lecturer who was from the school of business <coughs> excuse me who was talking a little bit about pricing and he used his own experience uh in a holiday uh, where he was given two different prices because uh, of wh- what we call add-ons. And he was telling his own personal experience. And I remember watching this uh, lecture and the students were in stitches. They were literally laughing and laughing and laughing. But I think what he did especially well was he not only just stopped at the laughter experience, but he made sure he connected the the humor to the main point that he was trying to make. And then, of course, kicking in uh, the uh, high effect size methods by checking for understanding and also giving students feedback when they responded to his question. So uh, I don't know if you remember that that uh, that uh, lecture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. remember uh, that one teaching optional pricing so yeah optional pricing that's
1: right <laughs> he used his own personal experience of going to go into new zealand that by paying a bit more you got to do the river rafting and he used analogies <laughs> as well uh like it's like having a pizza and you pay for extra toppings you know yeah. and um he then showed some pictures of him doing river rafting just one slide just to show him and his wife going yeah. down Of these boats, and he then said, Oh, uh," and as you can see, there's my wife, the prettier, the prettier. So he chatted in a little bit of, you know, a little bit of wit, and by putting that story together with a bit of humor, with a good enough he was able to fully get that concept of optional pricing across another great one i observed in singapore just to show that singaporeans have good. good i actually found singaporeans very easy to joke with but the another lesson what he was doing was he was he was um he was teaching selling and he was getting across the idea that you've got to live with a no because you know he said very often you're trying to sell something and people say not interesting get lost you know you're not going door, you've got exactly the they throw them in the garden, get them out of my ass kind of thing, right? Yeah. And he said, what he wanted to get across, how you can live with the fact that you are not being rejected, it's the product. And he used an analogy was when he was going into national service that there was a girl he kind of liked and he hadn't been on a date and he thought, I must date a girl before I go on national service. And I think a lot of people can, you know, immediately empathize with that. And he said, it was in the days when, when you dialed, you had to put your finger and turn the ring. (laughs) Remember I don't know, probably before your time, but, you know, to dial it, That, that phone, yes. sign, it was like, it took you 10 minutes to keep standing the thing. And he says, as he was doing the, the ringing, he said he was terrified, you know, with a ringing. <laughs> said, oh. And then, uh, you know, all the students were riveted, and they were thinking, what did she say? What did she say? And he said, oh, I was trembling when I was ringing. And he was really playing on this, you know, like you know, the language. And, and then he said, oh, and she said, yes yeah almost cheering oh great you know and you know just that analogy you know it it brought together all the things we're talking about you know the immediacy of being there on rest off effect great analogy relevant story to get across the idea that you know kind of the fear of being rejected and um you know because she said it was really good but just it we just got that old thing desensitized and he said if she would have said no okay she says no but she said yes so you know yeah yeah yep. you get your nose eventually someone could say yes so he played that that old story that old analogy got that and then he could then go on to say well if they say no well what could be some of the things that you do and if you say yes then add you then move on to get the trial closed done. Uh, trial yeah closes it's called you know closing the the deal yeah. it was it was riveting i remember watching him, i thought i love this
0: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, if you are not already now fully convinced, uh, well, I think you should just try it out uh, because I really feel that it works. Uh, And of course, there'll be some people who are just naturals at it, uh, but not everyone's a natural. And with a little bit of work and effort, uh, I would think you will see a lot of payback. Uh, So really try and make an effort. So, uh, before we wrap up this segment, uh, then I just want to share a quote that, again, uh, that you shared with me, which I thought was quite interesting. And I'll I'll get you to chime in in a bit, but I want to read the quote. Uh, And the quote goes, Humor has the potential to hook easily bored and inattentive students as brain food humor can't be beaten. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a nice one. It's a nice one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. So, again... I hope that has given you a little bit of an insight to why uh, using humour in teaching and learning is important. Uh, and of course, you can always get in touch with us if you would like to, you know, share with us some of your favourite uh, humour go-to strategies. Uh, and I'll give you the, the the email address that you can reach us at. So that concludes the part or uh, this part of uh, our discussion for today. So let's move on to really my favourite part of the podcast is where we really share with everyone one interesting thing or one inspiring thing that we came across over the week. Uh, Do you want to go first, then? Yeah, um, I was um, working in a school
1: here and um, I was a bit concerned about um, some teachers maybe not being enthusiastic and having a conversation with them and listening to their stories and understanding them. I saw that they really wanted to be excellent teachers, and I could just see it in their faces and I thought, I love this, I love it when there's teachers who perhaps are not finding teaching easy um but can still hold on to I could be a good teacher and I think you know our work that we do with teachers, if we can get teachers to think about their practice, take ownership of it, to learn to use these things like we're talking about, you can use humor, we talk about. Creative teaching, we talk about evidence-based teaching and learning, using technology. As, as teachers can learn to improve their competence and their self-efficacy and confidence and enjoy their jobs, what a great thing for them and also for the students that they teach. So that's been quite nice this week to meet some teachers who really want to be good and they're enthusiastic, but not finding teaching or uh, aspects of it at the moment um, too easy to do. So it's a biggie.
0: Right, right, okay. And it keeps me motivated. Yeah, hopefully they listen to this podcast and find some inspiration on uh, teaching and learning and using humor. Okay, so my my one uh inspiring thing and one interesting thing that I wanted to share this week, uh, is really something that I have used before, uh, but uh, have not used it for a while, and then decided that maybe it's a good idea to bring it back, and it's a little app. Uh, that I've been using for quite a number of years uh, in uh, in the poly uh, and the app is called voice thread okay so for anybody who's interested you can go and check out the app at www.voice as in your voice thread as in thread and needle so one word voicethread.com uh, and you can sign up for a free account and basically what this does is, it allows you to put up any kind, up to 50 different types of media, okay, which includes things like your documents, your Word documents, your presentations or PowerPoint presentations, images, even videos or audio files. Uh, and what is beautiful about this is as a teacher, you can upload this and you can get your students to look at it and then leave what they would call a voice thread or a voice comment. Now, a voice track doesn't just have to be voice. It can also be uh, a text, or they can even use an audio file upload. Uh, and essentially, it gives them the opportunity to comment on the media that the teacher has posted. So, in light of the fact that we are still, you know, in the throes of online learning, I feel that voice track, you know, so simple to use. Uh, I guarantee you, you will learn it in less than 15 minutes. Uh, all you need to do is upload a media, okay, post a question along the media and then get your students to work collaboratively or individually to leave comments. Uh, And then the teacher can follow up by, of course, responding to the individual feedback and comments uh, by the students. Now, the beautiful thing is there is no software to install. All you need is an up-to-date version of your web browser. Uh, And the VoiceThread will run in any web browser. So I've tried it, i loved it. I I uh, stopped using it for a while, but as I was thinking of, you know, trying to revisit some of the tools that I've been using, I've reconnected myself with it and I must say I've been quite pleased with it again so far. Uh and I would highly recommend it for people to look at it. So once again, it is voicethread.com. Uh do a Google search, have a look at it and uh, and then let let us know what you think uh when we share our email Call uh, address later. So, have you tried voice before then? Yeah, Mark.
1: I'm, Remember that I'm, one? Yeah, yeah i Yeah, I did use it. I've used it, and I'm kind of sitting here thinking. Um, being serious, this is we uh, being serious about things here. Is that the e-tools that um you've introduced um in this series? If we, if we go back to um uh, Thing Link and um and Moti, Moti, Jamboard, and, yeah. And the um, voice thread. uh, Those tools used in combination adds variety. You're not using the same tool all the time. And each of those tools will influence a number of aspects of the learning process that we talked about when we talked about pedagogic literacy and creative teaching. So uh, we may at some stage do a bit of a roundup on those tools and say, right, if you're using these tools, with good pedagogic literacy, with creative teaching, and you know, obviously other things like that we throw in, like humour, using humour, how we can make the learning experience not just more effective, more efficient, but yeah. more engaging. So we need to revisit, it, you know, otherwise you know these can get forgotten along the line.
0: So we we, we sure.
1: can do a pair and contrast with some feedback on that.
0: Yeah, but so, I mean that, that yeah. sounds like a plan for another episode. So you see, uh, you know, we we were. We were, re- we were marvelling at the fact that we actually got to six episodes. Looks like we can't stop at maybe the 100th or 200th episode. You know, because there's lots of tools to review and lots of things to talk about.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, you know, teaching is such a dynamic um, profession at the moment. There's so much change occurring and it's hard for teachers to see the wood for the trees. We've been kind of lucky, particularly working in Singapore, where we were given a lot of time to do research and talk to a lot of teachers. For a lot of teachers who haven't had that, what we're trying to do is to distill what's most useful and to put it into practical terms that people can actually employ you know, in their everyday teaching. They're not going to have time to read all the books and do the research themselves. It's a nice thing to be able to do, but you can't do everything and teachers are really busy.
0: Right, right. Okay. So thanks for that. Uh, so check it out, voicethread.com. And yes, then we will do a review of all the tools that we talk about, maybe in the 10th episode or so, we'll do that so that uh, people don't get lost. Uh, And uh, I think it's just for us to, you know, try out and see how we can make use of the tools in a pedagogical manner. Okay, so we have come to another, we have come to the end of another episode of Yes Sir H. Now, if you have joined us in episode one, or even if you have Uh, just joined us for episode six and you're new and I hope you had fun uh, joining us in our little conversation, Uh, please do subscribe to the podcast uh, and click the notification bell in whichever platform that you are uh, streaming this from so that you will always be reminded of our weekly content Uh, and of course if you find that it has helped you or you find it interesting Uh, and you think someone can also benefit from it, please do share the link with someone uh, and we would really appreciate it. Okay. So again, uh, I'm going to share with you our uh, email address. Uh, Should you want to give us some feedback on today's episode, or if you have a suggestion on what we can talk about, or if you would like to volunteer yourself to join us in a conversation about teaching and learning, then please send us your information okay at uh evidence based creative teaching at gmail.com. Once again, evidence-based creative teaching at gmail.com, or you can find the email address in the show notes for this episode. And that's a wrap. Okay, we are done. And as usual, before we sign off, I'm gonna get Dennis to share his quote of the week. Dennis. Well, the quote is obviously
1: to do with humour. And it's by Wittgenstein. A serious and good philosophical work could be written consisting entirely of jokes. Think about that one.
0: (laughs) That sounds really deep, but at the same time really interesting. So uh, mine is, uh, I I just thought it was quite interesting that I, I found this. So I just wanted to share this. Uh, uh, it says the second time is it's a mistake the first time is a learning opportunity Uh, and it's by Gina Koch if I'm not wrong Uh, so once again the second time it's a mistake the first time is a learning opportunity do you like that one then? yeah again it
1: takes a bit of unpacking but it's there and it's meaningful
0: right okay so really thank you very much everyone for joining us today on this episode of Yes, sir, HR, please look for, uh, we really look forward to speaking to you again in our next episode. So take care, everyone. Stay safe and keep on learning. Say bye then. Yeah, goodbye from me.